This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Luke chapter 6, verses 5 to 15, the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ on prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. The words of the Lord in red letters in the Bible. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread <clears throat> and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let us pray. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would open our eyes to understand this prayer and apply it to our lives like never before. We have heard of it, we have prayed it, but the depths of meaning and the way it can shape and conform us to you and to your image, your, your will, is what we want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this is definitely the most known prayer in the entire world, called the Lord's Prayer, but Rightly, it should be called the disciples' prayer because it's the prayer Jesus gave to his disciples to pray. Our Lord's prayer is actually John 17, his high priestly prayer unto the Father. But whether you call it the Lord's prayer, the disciples' prayer, or even, as some call it, the perfect prayer, it is a profound spiritual discipline that we need to have in our lives on a regular, daily basis. Now, why daily? Because doesn't it say in the prayer, give us this day our daily bread? 
So how often should a follower or disciple of Jesus pray this prayer? Every day, absolutely. And the context of this teaching, mind you, is in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And Jesus begins with the Beatitudes, blessed are or happy are those. He shares these instructions with his disciples because he's the king and the disciples are citizens of his kingdom. So he's giving instructions for what it's like to live in his kingdom. And in this teaching, he is saying that true righteousness comes from God. And he describes what it looks like to have faith in him in obeying his teaching. And he says that his teaching is the bedrock foundation of an unshakable life. So if you follow the Lord's teachings, including this teaching on prayer, he is promising you that no matter what storms come up in your life, you will remain secure and safe in his will. Now, in the parallel to Matthew chapter 6, we find in Luke chapter 11, the context as well, where as he, that is Jesus, was praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, what prompted this teaching on the disciples' prayer was that the disciples, the 12 disciples, saw their master, their rabbi, praying on a regular basis. Before the sun would rise, he would get up and go out and pray. He prayed at his baptism. He prayed uh, be, uh, during the time of temptation, the time of his, of, um, uh, before the cross. He prayed all night in choosing which disciples to select. So prayer was a big part of his life. Now, he's the perfect human being, and he's the Son of God, and yet he chose to pray. Now, if the perfect human being needs to pray, then we, as imperfect human beings, need to pray even more. So we need to pray, and we need to learn from the Lord Jesus on how to pray effectively. Now, the first thing we notice about this is that we hear from the Lord Jesus how we should not pray. First of all, he says, as written in Matthew 6, 5 to 8, we should not pray by showing off. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. They're show-offs. Hypocrites means play actors. They are pretending to be righteous and pious when in fact, you know, they probably are living like the devil, but boy, do they put on a show. And Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, I love listening to the words of Jesus. Because Jesus is God. He knows what he's talking about. And he is saying that you must have a personal piety. You must have a private devotional life. 
And it's not about showing off. It's about not having any interruptions and focusing in on God, your loving Heavenly Father. Find a place where you won't be disturbed. Find a place that's quiet and give all your focus in your prayer. And know that your Father, who is unseen, He is spirit and He's invisible, He knows all and He sees all and He hears the prayer of your heart. He knows what you're going through and He wants to hear from you. To know that God wants to listen to you is to prompt what the psalmist said in Psalm 8, what is man that thou inclinest your ear toward him? But you matter to God, and he wants to hear from you. He wants you to... Now, this does not say <clears throat> that you cannot pray publicly, because we see prayer meetings and public prayers in the book of Acts. What it's saying is, when you pray publicly, it's not to show off. It's to talk to God. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting where people talk to each other? <laughs> they're giving instructions to other people while they're praying. They're not praying to God. They're doing what's <clears throat> what in counseling is called crosstalk. They're giving unsolicited advice to others while they pray. Have you ever heard a prayer that's about gossip? It's not really talking to God. It's alerting people that they know the latest on somebody and what they're going through. Those are also wrong ways to pray. We should pray with our focus on the Father. And when you have a private devotional life, you can have a public prayer life as well. It's important not to show off. And secondly, what to avoid is babbling on. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5-8, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This is such a wonderful teaching. I cannot emphasize enough, Jesus is the Son of God, and he knows what he's talking about, and he's revealing the Father to us. The Father's unseen, but he sees what's done in secret, and he will reward you. The Father knows what you need even before you utter the first word in asking for it. You might say, well, then why pray if he already knows what I'm going to pray? And the answer to that question is the fact that the Father wants to change you. Prayer is not man's attempt to change the will of God. A prayer is not man's attempt to change the will of God. Prayer is God's method for changing our will to bring it in conformity with His will. More than changing things, prayer changes people. So prayer is not conquering God's reluctance to answer, but laying hold of His willingness to help. God is willing. And he wants us to pray. So we are to avoid trying to impress God with many words. Now you may remember in the face-off between Elijah and the 400 prophets of Baal, written about in 1 Kings chapter 18, that 
Elijah said, let's have a contest to see who's the true God. You uh, build your altar and pray to your God to have fire come down from heaven and light the altar, and I'll do the same. And they said, fair enough. The 400 prophets of Baal had the altar all set up, and they began in the early morning, and they started praying. But they didn't feel that their God was hearing them. So instead of just praying, they started shouting. And then they didn't think God was hearing them. So instead of praying and shouting, they started jumping up and down. And then they started to cut themselves. And they couldn't get their attention of their God because their God was a false God, an idol. But when Elijah was about to pray, he had the altar saturated with water, including this moat around the altar, filled with water. He prays, God, show them that you exist. And fire came from heaven, and it burned up everything on the altar, the altar, and it licked up all the water in the moat around the altar. That's what we're talking about. Now, there are times when you pray for a longer time. God's not, Jesus is not teaching against long prayers. He prayed all night before he chose his disciples. There are times where you struggle in praying. You know, at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to the disciples, you couldn't even pray for one hour? The, flesh is willing, the, 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 the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He prayed for more than one hour. What is that? That's when you are giving over, you're processing before the Lord the burden that you have, and you're giving it over to Him. You're, you're letting it go, and that's okay. It's not a quick prayer. But you heard of the uh, people who just talk incessantly. Now, there's support groups for uh, alcoholics uh, called uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and for the family Al-Anon. Well, there's a support group for people who, who are incessant talkers, and it's called On-Anon. <laughs> Jesus is saying, don't be like that. Don't think that your many words or your eloquent words are going to convince God. It's not about out-arguing him. It's not about restating your position and how you know better than him. It's about conforming to his will. There was a shepherd boy who passed the open door of a church during the summer, and he heard a deacon praying an eloquent prayer from the pulpit, and he said, boy, I wish I could pray like that. And uh, one day, somebody passed by in a field and, and heard something behind a bush. And they saw it was a little shepherd boy, and he was on his knees, and he said, A, B, C, D. And the person shook him and said, what do you think you're doing? He says, I'm praying. He says, what do you mean praying? It sounds like you're reciting the alphabet. Well, I figure if I give God the letters of the alphabet, he can spell out what's on my heart. That's what prayer is about. Spelling out to God what's on your heart. So these are the things Jesus taught to avoid. Then he gives us the Lord's Prayer. How to really pray the Lord's Prayer is my message. And if you see the, the petitions, it can be divided into two parts. 
you have the part focused on God and the part focused on you. And this is very important, that when the Ten Commandments were given, they were given in two tablets. If you know the two tablets, the first tablet refers to God. The second tablet refers to our relationships with people. So in other words, he's copying, he's, he's reflecting the Ten Commandments even as he gives the Lord's Prayer. And um, I want you to notice also that the Lord's Prayer is teaching us to be unselfish when we pray. You know, when we come before God, it's usually when we have an emergency or we have a laundry list of to-dos that we want Him to get done. But have we ever asked, what does God want? What are His priorities? You see, this prayer will change your life because it will get you thinking through the lens of God's perspective. What would happen to your life if you start putting God's concerns in front of yours? What would happen to how you would live if you wanted your heart to beat after the things that beat on the heart of God? So if we put first God's kingdom and his righteousness, God will add all these things unto us. How do we do that? By praying the Lord's Prayer. Now notice also that this is a prayer that is taught so that it's not to be recited thoughtlessly and repetitively. We're not to say the Our Father for penance as if we get forgiveness from the number of times we say the prayer. That's not how the prayer works. The prayer given by Jesus is a pattern. I want you to imagine with me six file folders. Each file folder has one of these titles. One file folder, God's name. Another one, God's kingdom. Another one, God's will. The fourth one, your needs. The fifth one, your forgiveness. The sixth one, your protection. Those file folders can be as thin as you praying through the Lord's Prayer word for word. But it could be as thick as you filling in each of these file folders with requests that go along with those items. So let's go through this. First of all, God's name. Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our number one concern should be that the Lord, Father's name is exalted that it's held in highest esteem, that it's respected, that it's revered, that it's worshipped, that it's honored, that it, it is recognized that God, our loving Heavenly Father, is holy, that He is utter perfection, that He is glorious beauty, that He is awesome majesty. When you come before Him and you say, I'm so glad to be related to you because I'm born again through faith in Jesus Christ. You are my father and I am your child by faith. 
and coming before you. I recognize you. You're in heaven and your vantage point is over all. And I want more than anything that your name is holy. It's set apart. It's higher and better than anything and anyone's. That's the first thing you're asking. May your name be held in the highest honor and esteem and respect ever. By me, by other Christians, and by people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That's what I'm praying for. If you get that, you've got what Jesus is asking you to pray for. Do you want the Lord's honor more than anything? Do you live respecting and honoring the Lord? Would you like people to come to know Christ so that they can see the Lord in his glory and his beauty? Second is God's kingdom. Your kingdom come. Now here's an eschatological point in the prayer. What does eschatological mean? It's meaning the last things. The last things in the Bible are that we know how the end turns out. We've read the end of the Bible. The new Jerusalem comes down from heaven and there's no more death or mourning or pain anymore. All things have been made new. Who wants that? We all want that. And so when we pray, we're praying, may your kingdom come now. We are yearning, we are longing for the full consummation of your kingdom may be fully realized. And whatever it takes for me to participate in the hastening of your kingdom coming, I want to do that. That's what we're praying when we pray your kingdom come. One day Jesus shall sit on the throne. And you can read about that in Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 6. His millennial reign. Are you asking for that? Are you looking forward to that? Every day. It changes your life when you pray this way. And then third, God's will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when I think about this request Angels do God's will willingly, immediately, and completely. How do we do God's will? Sometimes not very willingly. Sometimes not very immediately. Sometimes very, not very completely. Oh, that we would do God's will on earth as it's being done in heaven. And yes, when his kingdom comes, Jesus will reign in righteousness and there will be peace and the knowledge of the Lord shall cover the earth. We look forward to God's will ultimately being done on will uh, on earth as it is done in heaven. But right now, the devil's will is prevailing on earth. His darkness of evil is being practiced. And when we pray God's will, then God's light shines and pierces the darkness. Are you available to do God's will? Are you not the hands and feet of Jesus here on earth, part of the body of Christ to continue his work here on earth? Yes, you are. God wants to continue to do his will through you.
Now, when we pray and we put God's concerns before our own, it helps us then for the next and most important prayer part, which is your needs. Matthew 6, 11 says, Give us today our daily bread. You remember that the people, who, the Israelites wandering in the wilderness had to collect manna, which was heavenly food that was like frost on the ground. And they would cook it and they would eat it. The word mana means what is it? They didn't know what it was, but it was heavenly food. And Jesus made a, God gave them a rule. Collect as much as you need for each day and no more. And some people did that. Some people violated that. They collected more than they, they needed and it rotted and had, was full of maggots. So the lesson is rely on God every day for fresh bread. Now it's bigger than that. When you come to the Lord and you ask him, give us this day our daily bread, you're not asking just for food. You're asking, give me today what I need to get through today. Give me my daily sustenance. Give me the spiritual power and the wisdom to honor your name, to hasten your kingdom, and to do your will on earth. You see how the lens of God's concerns and perspective impact this request? In other words, the Lord is saying, now that you have my perspective and priorities, that my name should be honored, my kingdom should be hastened, and my will should be done on earth as it is done in heaven, ask whatever you want in line with that, and I'll give it to you. He didn't say in this blank check, go ahead and ask for you know, a Cadillac and a, a billion dollars. He says, ask for whatever's in line with honoring my name, hastening my kingdom, and doing my will on earth. So when I get to this part of my prayer, I say, Lord, help me to be a witness. You know, help me in preaching and teaching your word. Help me in loving on this person. These are all in line with God's name and kingdom and will. And I love this because I also pray for my family when I get to this part. I pray for Shirley. I pray for uh, my daughter Laura and her family and my son Steve and his family. I pray for my three brothers and their families. I pray for this church. Give us. Notice that when you get to this level of request, there the, the pronouns are in the plural. Our Father, give us today our daily bread. You're not just praying for yourself, you're praying for us, for everyone. And that's important to include. Next, we have your forgiveness. When we get to this, Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we also for, have forgiven our debtors, I'll tell you what I do. I look at my radar screen, and I see if there's anyone who has sinned against me 
trespassed against me, who uh, owes me an IOU apology. And you know what I do? Before they come asking me for forgiveness, and if they ever come to me asking for forgiveness, I forgive them first. I say, as an act of the will, by the blood of Jesus, I forgive this person for hurting me or violating me in this way. And I forgive them. I take them off of my hook of accountability, and I put them on God's hook of accountability. And I'm free from bitterness. I'm free from resentment. I'm free from malice, that is, uh, wishing ill will upon them because they're not my problem anymore. I've taken them off of my hook and put them on God's hook of accountability. I have to forgive others first, and then I come and I say, Father, I know I have sinned against you in word, thought, and deed, and things done and left undone. And I specifically mention the things that, that I have done that I can recall that I have sinned against the Lord and ask for his forgiveness. But I have to practice forgiveness not to get salvation or not to be forgiven, but to experience the Lord's forgiveness in fullness. I've got to have a forgiving spirit to know how much God has forgiven me. That's the point. You will not know or experience the fullness of God's forgiveness unless you forgive others from your heart. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.